Okay, then, go out and bet your money on a natural thing. It is the thing to do. Welcome to How's It Growing, your weekly gardening connection only here at KZUM Lincoln. Hello, folks. How you doing? This is Bob Hendrickson. I'm with the Nebraska Statewide Arboretum, planting Nebraska each and every day. PlantNebraska.org. Check it out there for great gardening information and inspiration all right, welcome to the program. Kind of a cloudy day today. Hey, we have a chance of clouds. Go figure, right? Ah, the ongoing drought. Ah, just some quick comments about the ongoing drought. What are you doing about it, right? In your own landscape to make it more resilient when we do have droughts, right? One thing I've been noticing driving around Lincoln, oh, on the way into the program, man, the, the mowers are hot and heavy. They're still mowing the grass and, and mowing it probably shorter than they should be. Set that deck as the highest setting. Mow it at three and a half, four inches. I know a dude that uh, took care of a public landscape, very, uh, well, a very public uh, landscape in the uh, in the eyes of the visitors, and that is Joslin Art Museum in Omaha, right? Uh, picture it. Maybe it's been a while since you've been there. Maybe you've never been there, but uh, they have a they have lawn, just like a lot of businesses do. But the dude that took care of it, he set the deck at five inches. And uh, I remember seeing that for the first time going, five inches, man, isn't that gonna kind of look overgrown? No, from the road, you couldn't tell. The drive-by, uh, it looked the same as if you had mowed it too. But guess what happened mowing it at five inches? Well, he didn't have the problems. He didn't have weed problems. He didn't have disease problems. The grass was fat and happy. And then when a drought comes along, the grass is more resilient. So mowing it again and again and mowing it short, that's why we're seeing the brown lawns. I was at a person's place earlier this week, and uh, she had told me it was kind of in the shadow of a, a orchard that this grass hasn't been mowed yet. And it was it was in the shady area, right? But still, the grass hadn't been mowed yet this year, and it was still nice and green. Whereas her neighbor's yard next door, first of all, the dude cut down all the trees uh, that were boarding his house after he bought it. Go figure, right? Uh, I think he wants to bathe his home in full sun so he, he uses more energy in his air conditioner, right? But mowing his grass short, he had his sprinkler out there going in the late afternoon, 98 degrees outside, and he's watering, right? Uh, it's like, come on, man, at least do it in the cool part of the day so you're not getting evaporation from that sprinkler. So that's my little landscape tip to make you more resilient. Uh, obviously, I want you to have less yard and more plants, right? More environmental benefits with that. All right, uh, on the program today, I have Barbara Salvatore, our ongoing series with Plant Stories Life Medicines. Barbara's going to be calling in here in less than five minutes. So looking forward to chatting with Barbara and continuing our ongoing series today. We're going to highlight a couple of group of plants. We'll see if we can get to more than this, but we're going to be highlighting Dame's Rocket, believe it or not, and Flocks, two plants that uh, I have not partaken in for their edible and medicinal qualities. So looking forward to learning more from Barbara. So stick around from that. And uh, before that, I just want to do a quick spotlight on a group of plants, the cone flowers, the purple cone flowers. To be more exact, are it's their time to shine in the landscape, just starting to bloom now. And we'll be going, oh, probably for another couple, three weeks, at least into mid-July. So enjoy your purple coneflowers. But did you know there's five species that you should be playing with in the landscape? In fact, I wish all five of them were as popular as the straight-up purple coneflower. Maybe you know it, and good for you. It's still an awesome plant. Um... Still a great plant for landscapes. Purple coneflower is very, 
forgiving, easy to grow. So if you haven't grown it yet, you're looking to say, where do I start? Man, always start with purple cone flower. It's easy and it seeds around a little bit, gives you, giving you free plants. It'll tolerate uh, probably a half day of shade. Uh, I've found in the landscape and do just fine. It prefers full sun, but it'll tolerate a half day of shade. Awesome plant, easy to grow, but it has some cousins out there that you may not be aware of. Purple coneflower is more or less native to Nebraska, not quite within our borders, but mandrew borders. Plants didn't, right? So it's certainly native to Iowa, Missouri, places south and east uh, throughout the United States, but kind of just makes its way into um, eastern Iowa just across the border. But uh, we consider it close enough to being native. But there are two species that are native to Nebraska, meaning they have grown in our Nebraska prairies. And these are rare plants, folks. Um, and that's the thing with us on How's It Growing advocating native plants. Uh, these are rare plants. Um, some of them you might call endangered or darn near endangered. And I hate to say that about pale purple coneflower and narrowleaf coneflower. Pale purple coneflower is one of our Nebraska natives as is the narrow leaf coneflower, also called Black Samson. And I can't remember where it got that name. That's, a, that's an old name, been around for 100 years, but most people know it by narrow leaf coneflower today. And that's the one that has all the medicinal powers that uh, Barbara and I have certainly talked about on the program in the past, highlighting the echinacea species. And so pale purple coneflower, echinacea pallida, and narrow leaf is echinacea angustifolia. But there's a couple of others out there that are native more south and east of us that I want you to be made aware of that I think personally should be in every garden. And one of them is the uh, Ozark coneflower, Echinacea paradoxa. It's a paradox of purple coneflower because the actual flower is yellow, not purple. And man, if you're near a computer, you're near your phone, you want to look it up, just Google uh, Ozark coneflower. And it is native to the glades of Missouri, and uh, points again more more or less to the Ozarks and uh, glades are defined as um, you know uh, prairies in between trees or open prairies uh, in between woodland areas that are often rocky and those rocky soils are very dry so Ozark coneflower is first of all rock solid hardy in Nebraska it does well from from Richardson County and Fall City all the way out to Shadron I've seen it in gardens in, in both of those locations and all points in between but very rarely used in gardens, that's for sure. But Ozark coneflower, man, what a gem, what a bird, awesome plant, very drought tolerant. So once you get it established, you never have to water it, even in times of drought, like we're in, uh, experiencing right now. But then the final one I want to quickly mention is called Tennessee coneflower. And uh, that is to, native to the glades of Tennessee. But we've also found that plant to be perfectly hardy in Nebraska as well. But uh, in 1968, it was accidentally discovered uh, in, in Tennessee. And, uh, oh, it was actually by 1979, the Tennessee coneflower became the first plant endemic to Tennessee to be protected by the Endangered Species Act. So this is an endangered plant that is available for you to plant in your garden. It has been taken off the list. And... Uh, Let's see, in fact, it was taken off the list, delisted as an endangered species in 2011. And I would say it's because of us. So just for posterity alone, we should be planting the Tennessee coneflower because it's so rare. But those others I mentioned, like pale purple coneflower, the narrow leaf coneflower, 
no, they're not endangered. We probably won't list them as imperiled, but you know, think about it, the tall grass prairie where we reside, um, you know, we have one tenth of one percent of the original tall grass prairie. All the other, you know, ninety nine point nine percent of the prairie has been plowed under here in the eastern part of our state. The only that one tenth of one percent that remains, the only reason those prairies remain today never have been plowed was because it was often too rocky to farm, um, too steep to farm, um, uh, maybe too wet to farm, you know, something like that, right? And so that's the only thing that saved that one-tenth of one percent we have out there, meaning our tall grass prairie is an endangered species here in eastern Nebraska, right? Wouldn't you call it that? So I would say any plant that resided in that tall grass prairie is pretty rare as well. So we can all make a difference planting those rare prairie plants in our garden. So let's start today, right? If you haven't done it yet, man, join the bandwagon because lots of folks are interested in that. All right, we got a caller on the line. Hello, caller. Am I speaking with Barbara? (laughs) (laughs) No, this is one of the Dans. Hey, Dan, what's shaking? Oh, you're waiting for Barbara. Well, she's going to be calling. She hasn't called yet, so you're you're fine, buddy. You're fine. Okay, so about the coneflowers, because... uh, I, I uh, did a, actually did a paper in college on, on the, the, the medicinal purposes and whatnot. Oh, cool. Um, and, and there are some that uh, wasn't like I got a degree for it or anything. It was just a student paper. But, but still. anyway, because um, <laughs> uh, uh, there's all different, and some are, and, and Barbara will probably explain, some are more medicinal than others, but mm-hmm. even the ones that, even, even the ones that would just happen to be, that that uh, just common uh, uh, harvested the roots, mm-hmm. turned them into a tincture, mm-hmm. which I got drunk on a time or two, and and uh, but because and because you can just a little piece of the root, like you know, put it on a sore tooth or something, you can feel the numbness in your. You, it, it's like a numbing thing. Yes, it sure is. A little it, piece of the root. It's yeah. a. It's a yeah, so even even the ones that aren't considered the most medicinal are still a little medicinal. As I have. Right, right. doesn't have the same powerful medicine, say, as that Echinacea angustifolia. And I remember reading some report, I don't know, some paper somebody else did, that where they, you know, maybe it was Big Pharma that funded it, right? You always got to look at the funding source. And basically, mm-hmm. they deemed it not effective. And I'm like, what? So I'm kind of looking down. Did they cite scientific names or are they just calling it purple coneflower? And finally, I saw buried in that article that they did the research with Echinacea purpurea, you know, the mm-hmm. kind of the wimp amongst the medicinals, right? And I'm like, oh, boy. That's what I've heard, but it worked. I thought, but I, I thought that's what I had, and I thought it worked just fine. Too cool, too cool. Well, thanks, Dan, for for enlightening on that. That's, uh, I remember eating a root many, many moons ago. A fella actually went out, and uh, I don't know if he was legal or not. I didn't know better at the time, but he was out there actually in the prairie digging these plants and claiming that he was replanting them, and they were he wasn't hurting the population. Right, right, buddy. But anyway, uh, he gave me a sample of a root for me to chew on, and just like you said, within minutes, my mouth was like numbing, and it tasted like medicine, right? It's hard to describe. It's not yeah. a bad taste, yeah. 
but yep. it, it's uh, kind of this clean, refreshing, well, let's put it this way, most medicines taste bad, right? <laughs> this medicine actually <laughs> tasted pretty decent, man. You know? That's why you need a spoonful of sugar. Yeah, exactly. But he said, he said, now mind you, this, year, this root you're eating is seven years old, right? It wasn't even freshly dug, it wasn't even freshly dried, but, uh, but yeah, my dream, Dan, is wouldn't it be cool if we had medicinal gardens, like maybe somebody starts a business in Nebraska, where they're basically growing and harvesting and using it, it farming it, farming echinacea and gustifolia, uh, farming Dame's Rocket that we're, that Barbara and I are going to be talking about. If she indeed calls, hopefully she didn't space it off, folks. If if I don't hear from her soon, maybe I'll take a quick break and text her and say, uh, Barbara, are you going to be on the show today? Are you there? <laughs> Hello, are you there? Otherwise, I'll just have to okay. wing it here and, and you'll so, have to listen so, yeah, to me. So, 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 yeah, in the meantime, so even what they say is not the best. It's still it was still effective, and I'm not even sure exactly what I I was had. Maybe I didn't have the others. Right. But I never mind. Okay. Um, let's get go go. Let's Bye. get growing. All right. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for enlightening us on that. And that's really cool to hear that you did a paper on that. You know, I can imagine the professor, <laughs> professor kind of shrugged his shoulders or her shoulders and said, yeah, and said, okay, uh, fine. You go no, ahead the and history, the history of it. Yeah. The whole, and, and all the different varieties and, and yeah. So yeah, cool. I'm looking forward. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for that info. I write, appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right, folks. Uh, yeah, like I said, uh, Barbara Salvatore is supposed to be calling in today. Have not heard from her yet. We'll get more of uh, her thing. And I remember what she talked about. Oh, uh, just I'm kind of uh, trying to recall what the main thing she liked Echinacea Root for. And you can purchase it online. You can just go online and order it uh, here locally in Lincoln. I know Red Clover carries it. Um, and it's your go-to, man. If you're if you're like, okay, I got a bad cold or I've got the flu, uh, you know, cold and flu season, and you'll call an herbalist friend and say, help, what did you say I should be, what tea should I be drinking to really combat this cold? And what we say with herbs, folks, it doesn't necessarily cure you like that, right? You can't snap your finger and say, okay, I'm cured, right? But what it tends to do, it'll lessen the severity of your symptoms and it'll lessen the length of your symptoms. So you'll get over your cold more quickly um, and you won't be suffering as badly, right? So don't don't think these things are just going to snap of the finger and you're okay, right? And that's usually that case. Say you say you have a strep throat, right? And you go to the doctor and they give you an antibiotic and they say, okay, you can expect to kind of uh, feel relief after 24 to 48 hours, right? Well, it's the same thing with herbs. It's an ongoing thing that you're going to be doing with these plants. And now I see somebody on the line named Barbara. Barbara Salvatore, how are you doing today? Hello. Hello, hello. Can you hear me can now? Can you hear me? I sure yes. can. <laughs> My daughter in Germany just sent me a text. Ma, you're late. <laughs> that is funny. From Germany. Well, see, thanks for giving mom that shout out. Thanks, so, Ruby. Yeah, so that means uh, she's listening in from Germany? Yes. That's too cool. Well, thanks for tuning into the show, man. We are worldwide here at KZUM Lincoln, KZUM.org. Yeah, and I can't pull up somewhere on here. We got a, a map where we, uh, you know, when we're sitting here in the chair, you can kind of look up and see where people are listening throughout the world, which is pretty cool. And 
some DJs are better at it than others, actually giving a shout out to those people that are listening from, well, not only greater Nebraska, but but uh, all over the country. And, uh, and as one program likes to say, the millions and millions of people listening online, well, I don't want to make myself nervous and think there's millions and millions, all 22, <laughs> all 22 of you listening online. I'll Today do it that way. <laughs> yeah, there's a million and one. All right. Well, well, that, well. Thanks for sharing happy that news. Solstice. Yeah, happy, happy solstice. Happy solstice longest day of the year. You know, I'm I'm one of those people sleeping, Barbara. If the if the shades are up and it's light in the morning, it wakes me up. I don't know. Maybe it's not that, but you know, five thirty uh, sunrise. It's kind of like. And then I think about it in the middle of winter, right when it's not light until eight in the morning, and you're like going, ugh. I can't believe uh-huh. it gets. I can't believe it gets light at five thirty, and if you're anybody that's gardening, which you probably are, listening to this show, what's great about the longest days of the year is you can garden till nine thirty at night, right? <laughs> yes, I'm usually out watering at that time, right? <laughs> giving them a good long drink. I heard you talking about the drought. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, we know that it's best to water early mornings or evenings. Exactly, exactly. Otherwise, you know, the plant's not really do a good job of taking it up at four in the afternoon. Would you? Come on, man. You got to do it before you get dehydrated. It's just like same thing in the plant world, right? You know, you don't wait. Well, I always get this feeling that like your heaves a big sigh when I water at night. Like, oh, ah, I can rest now. Right, I can rest now. No doubt, no doubt. <laughs> Well, Barbara, thanks for calling in today and being a part of our ongoing series, Plant Stories, Life Medicines. And uh, man, we're in for a treat today. Uh, Certainly for me, I'm being selfish here saying, well, I'm ready to learn more about the plants uh, you are talking about today. And one of them I have, well, actually both of them, really, I have to admit, I think I sampled some Dame's Rocket Flowers. um, Oh, maybe it was this spring where I just sampled some and I was like, huh, not bad not bad but uh we're going to be highlighting a couple groups well one plant and then a group of plants folks but what we want to talk about first is the dame's rocket and dame's rocket barbara kind of goes back for me the uh, department of roads in nebraska was doing their beautify our roadways um program oh man the guy's name is going to escape me that started this uh he's no longer with us no longer with the rose department obviously but he started this beautification program where he's get wildflowers in our ditches and i remember when those things were happening oh the wildflowers that were showing up were i learned dame's rocket well with a name like dame's rocket do you suppose it's native to the united states no it's not but they're also planting oxide daisies which is also a non-native Ah, chicory, on and on, right? These things were all included in this seed mix. Why? Because they could get a lot of seed and they could get it at a pretty inexpensive price versus going with native prairie plants, which weren't highly available at the time. And if they were, they were expensive. So they went with the cheap route. And so knowing... I would just say, folks, what is Dame's Rocket? If you're saying that and you and you're with the wherewithal to do that, Google it right now so you can see an image of it and say, oh, okay, I've seen that plant in the road ditches. And I'm curious around Lincoln, and it's mainly because of our mowing policies with the Department of Roads. The, mow, the, the dudes that mow the ditches aren't on the same page with the architects that are specking the plants. And I, I say that because they've told me straight up like, okay, man, guys, quit doing three swaths as you're mowing, you know, from 
from fence line to ditch, right? From fence line to road edge, they, they mowed them all away. And now I can drive around the countrysides around Lincoln at least, and I don't see a whole lot of Dames Rocket that I was seeing back in the 90s. And I'm curious where you're from there up in Verdigree, do you see a lot of it like that has escaped and really become, I guess, invasive? Well, it's interesting you say that because um, it's one of the first plants I always see when I drink to or from Lincoln in the spring. And it's it, it's just explosive in the ditches, you know, between the rain, the color ranges between white and very fuchsia, vivid pink. And um, I saw a lot this spring coming in. And out of my right. Well, uh, let's say this, Barbara. Uh, around here, I don't yeah, get out much. Fields <laughs> in the edges of cornfields, I do uh-huh. see quite a bit. I have one neighbor who tries to mow it to death every year, but she has a little meadow of it in her side yard. That's funny, and, I, and I'm just looking, you had shared, uh, folks, uh, one of the great uh, sites that you can go to to learn more about Dames Rocket, we'll give a shout out to Forager Chef again, because it, they just put out great information, right? And I didn't know yes. it had all these names, Damask Violet, Dames Wart, Dames Gillyflower. I wonder what the gillyflower comes from. Now I'm curious, what the heck does gillyflower mean? Do you have any idea we'll off the have top of your head? research Right? That one. <laughs> That's what happens when you research plants, you fall down a rabbit hole, which is kind of fun, right? Yep. And, uh, but one name that really catches my attention is called Dames hyphen wart, W O R T. And there's a number of other plants that have that uh, in their name, um, like, oh, sagewort is one I can think of. Help me out, Barbara. Oh, man, what other? Mugwort. Mugwort, right. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong. If motherwort. A, motherwort, okay. So if a plant has W-O-R-T in its name, we can assume that plant has a long history of medicinal use, correct? Yes, that's exactly true. And I don't recall exactly what wart refers to, but the, all of those plants have been named by traditional medicinal women in the past with the wart name. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm also reading here, it was uh, introduced to North America way back in the 1600s for use in ornamental landscaping. And I imagine out east, other areas of the country, it has indeed become very invasive. Um, Oh, places like Minnesota and Wisconsin, as I'm seeing here. Um, like they say here, like garlic mustard and watercress, it's a prolific cedar. And so we all know that, uh, seeing big swaths of it. It's a beautiful plant, mind you. But They say one plant can produce 20,000 seeds. Holy moly. No wonder. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, too, it's a biennial, right? Uh, yes, the first year it doesn't put up that big spike. So that first year, it's just going to have a what we call a basal rosette or a rosette of leaves. And oftentimes, you know, when you're looking at that rosette, you're like, well, what am I looking at, right? Uh, right. Um, right. So, so, you know, identification is key. And again, that Forger Chef site does a great job of showing images and, uh, you know, what the leaves look like. So, And then the second year when you have the stems coming up, I always leave some to brown and stay in the ground so that I recognize when the rosettes come up nearby. Oh, that's another one of those. Gotcha, gotcha. You know, and folks, as it says here, Dame's Rocket has no poisonous lookalikes, but it's very easy to confuse with the wild flocks. And that's another plant we're going to be talking about today, or group of plants, right, Barbara, are our flocks, which is a lot of people's favorites. And if you think about the garden flocks, it's called Phlox paniculita. 
Uh, Flox Benigulata is, uh, I mean, I want to say, oh, that's so 80s. You know, I think it's really kind of lost flavor with a lot of gardeners. I can drive around Lincoln and I don't see a whole lot of Flox that I used to see in gardens back in the 80s. So uh, we want to turn you on and say, yes, people, don't stop planting Flox. It's an awesome plant, especially yes. the, the straight up species for pollinators for show. Um, but let's focus on Dame's Rocket first. And Barbara, uh, okay, so one great thing to do, and we've talked about it on the program before, if you have a lot of plant around you, a lot of the same plant, it's like the plant, whoever you want to look to, the higher powers, somebody's kind of tapping you on the shoulder and saying, uh, this plant is in abundance for you, and this plant is in yeah. abundance for you to use. So, hello, why aren't you using it? So I'm curious with you, what is the favorite part of that plant to use for, let's start with food. Do you prefer it for food or do you prefer it for both food and medicine? Well, yeah, I first wanted to start by, um, you know, what prompted me wanting to talk about this plant is all of, when you first search it, all you'll get are sites saying how to eradicate it, how to mm, kill it, what mm. pesticides to use. And that's true of garlic mustard and a lot of our other really powerful invasives, powerful in the fact that they just take over and ruin the soil for other plants to grow, especially native species. So there's a lot of animosity towards these plants. Mm -hmm. But if everyone could be educated and realize that, you know, you don't have to buy spinach or mustard or, you know, cressy greens at the grocery store, it's right there out there in your yard in your neighbor's field nearby and if, if so many people could start turning this way of educating themselves to what is growing near me and it's growing near me because it's an ally of sorts because our ancestors have appreciated it as a food and medicine source then maybe we can control it in a different way by yes. working with it i love it in other words have your cake and eat it too, people. Okay, the cake's out there in front of you, man. And, uh, you know, maybe we can eradicate invasive species simply by eating them, right? Yeah. <laughs> like them I, and I, had, I had a garlic mustard that a friend who lived in upstate New York had in her garden, and she was trying to eradicate. I was like, no, no, give me one. She was like, it'll take over your yard. So I had it in a pot, and for three years it grew <laughs> bushy and wonderful enough that I could make pesto, like quarts of pesto, every summer. And when it went to seed, I would cut it, you know, and use that part in salads and soups and whatnot. But I never allowed it to go to seed, except one stalk I would let go to seed and I would cut that and save the seed in a bag for in case I ever needed it. Anyway, this is my fourth year and I have one little itty bitty plant with three leaves on it and I'm kind of sad. Oh man, isn't that wild? <laughs> it rolled so well that now I don't have any garlic. That's funny. Mustard. But that's just like a microcosm instance of, especially if it's growing in your own on your own land, that, you know, there are times to harvest. And with these plants like garlic mustard, dames rocket, dock, yellow dock seed, um, when it does go to seed, you can go out with pillowcases or large paper bags and I take them and I put them over the plant and then bend them over so no seed falls on the ground. It all falls yes. into the bag or pillowcase and cut it at the stem and let it dry hanging with the seed in the bag. And then that's also very easy to collect that seed, which is medicinal and when sprinkled on things and soups and used as a seasoning, it's peppery and radishy and really mm. yummy mm. and very nutritious. So... Cool. That's what I do with Zane's Rocket in my yard. And this year, 
I'm re- waiting for it to go to seed because it's all formed the stipules where the seed grows. But because it's so dry, the seeds are flat. They're not turning color. They're mm. not really forming as well. Mm. And, you know, when the time comes, maybe another week or so, we're going to get rain this weekend. Knock on my head. Oh, knock man. Wood. You actually have but, rain in the forecast? I didn't. You know, when we run into uh, these long-term droughts, I, I find myself not peeking ahead too much because I'm like, I don't want the yeah. bad news, man. You don't want to jinx it, right? Yeah, exactly. That's funny. But, you know, sometimes a bitter rain will help the seeds, you know, really fill out. But mm. the other thing I'm noticing this year is that there's a huge abundance of flowers and just fields going wild with flowers. And it's almost like the plants know they have to give it their all because they're under such threat that they have to reproduce and do it soon and do it early and, you know, attract all the pollinators as quick as possible. And it's just an abundance of flowering that I have not seen in a long time. And I'm thinking that's some kind of response to drought as well. That they're trying to get their life cycle done. Sure, sure. I think you're right on. In that manner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we were out in the panhandle uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, in fact, two weeks ago, I, I did the radio show and then literally left for Shadron right after that, right? Which is a great drive. And yeah, and they're having uh, super bloom stuff uh, taking place out there because they've had more rain than we've had this year, right. which is just weird. And uh, and they had a big time drought the last two years. I mean, uh, I was talking to a fella in, uh, I think it was in Garing. He said... Uh, the year before, they had nine inches of rain or nine inches of moisture, folks, for the whole year. Now, if, if eastern Nebraska had nine inches of rain for the whole year, we'd be go, all right, pack it up. It's over. It's done. We're done. You know, we ain't going to be able to do anything. Yeah. Nine inches out west, they kind of shrug their shoulders and go, oh, well, it's western Nebraska. We're high plains drifters. We can take this. And, and, and okay. the plants, too. Yeah, yeah, the plants, too. Exactly. So the rains returned and the wildflowers said, uh, thank you very much. Uh, I think I'm going to produce a copious amount of seed and I'm going to lie dormant if I have to. And uh, then when the mm-hmm. rains return again, I'm there ready for them. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. All right. So, Barbara, I got to take a quick break here. It's uh, already 1133 in this fastest hour in radio. And you're well aware of that when you come on the program, Barbara, because yeah. I'm already wanting to talk about uh, the seeds for the, uh, the, the dock, the sour dock or the yellow dock that you were talking about going, oh, well, maybe we can talk about that in the next program because we've touched on it in past shows. But I'm one of those people that have never taken advantage of that harvest. And I see them every year. There they are out there mm-hmm. calling my name, saying, harvest me, Bob. But that's a show for another day. We'll see if we have time to get to it because I know we've got a list of stuff today too. But so Barbara, I'm going to keep you on the line. We'll take a break. So bear with me. It'll, okay. take, it'll take several minutes to go through this stuff and then we'll bring you back and we'll highlight uh, what you love about the Dames Rocket for both food and medicine. Okay. Sounds good, Bob. All right. Thanks, Barbara. All right. That is Barbara Salvatore. We are, she's a practicing herbalist from Vertigree, Nebraska. Thank you again, Barbara, for being on the show. And we'll be back after these brief messages. Keep it right there and let John Prine say, yes, we need a great rain. Oh, John, no, no. I'm, I'm sorry. That great rain has not called our name. We're looking for that great rain to call our name, little John Prine, to bring you to the, uh, well, the last 20 minutes of How's It Growing. 
I'm with Barbara Salvatore today. Barbara's a practicing herbalist in Verdigree, Nebraska. And Barbara, also author of Big Horsewoman and Maggie. I hope things are going well for you with Big Horsewoman and Maggie. Barbara, how are how are things going? I, I know you noticed uh, via your Facebook page that you've been doing a lot of readings, getting out and about, uh, really all over the state, right? Um. <laughs> well, I mean, not I'm all sorry. over the state. <laughs> no, I I had lots of readings. Uh, the frosting on the cake was a trip to my hometown in Rhode Island and the library where I grew up carrying books by the arm full out every week as a That's child. cool. And that was really <laughs> wonderful because it was like a homecoming reunion combined. But um, the last reading I did was in Beatrice. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, I'm taking a break because I'm actually deeply into book three, The Trail, where Maggie makes her way west and settles by the Niobrara River. Nice. And it's a very dramatic book. So <laughs> I'm, I've, I, When I came home from my last reading, I said, I'm going to take some time to write because people have already said, I've read one and two. When is the third one right. coming? I can't wait to see what happens. <laughs> yeah, that's so, like anticipation. Anyway, yeah. When inspiration calls, you have to listen. So that's where my mind has been lately, and I'll start doing events again in the fall. But thank you for asking. The books have been very well received. and That's awesome. Yeah, folks, you can go to bighorsewoman.com to get more information or to get yourself a copy. Just go to bighorsewoman.com. And uh, you'll be glad you did. All right, Barbara. And well, one of, just one of the themes of the book, so people know, is that both of the women use plants for medicine and healing, and the reader learns about them as they go. So that's what good. motivates me. Exactly. But exactly. Well, here we are to talk about Dame's Rocket. Yeah. Right. And uh, yeah. Thanks again for coming on the program. And uh, yeah, we're in the midst of a a strategic planning meeting today. So I had to go from the strategic planning meeting, blah, big picture stuff, to go. Okay, man. Now we got to focus on Dame's Rocket. Come on. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. So I've had to kind of shift gears with my brain. And uh, again, I appreciate your time. All right. So without further ado, let's highlight that Dame's Rocket that's out there. I think here in the Lincoln area, we can call it being done blooming already. Same with you. You're just waiting for the seeds to ripen. So folks, we know we're a little late talking about, you know, the actual uh, flowers. And then the leaves, Barbara, also, um, would you describe them as kind of uh, peppery, kind of spicy uh, because it's in the in the mustard family? Yes, it is in the mustard family, and it's sort of a radishy, spicy. And I noticed that they're sweeter and milder at the beginning of the season. And like the flowers, I just ate some this morning. They're they're stronger. They get stronger mm. as the season goes on, and that might also be due to the stress we talked about earlier, and the dryness. But all of the um, parts are edible. When you do eat the leaves, you want to go for the inner young ones as the most flavorful, and that's true of basically any edible green plant you want the newer fresher young leaves Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. the um, flowers are delicious and I like to also sprinkle them on warm food not necessarily cook them but sprinkle them towards the end of cooking so they make a beautiful garnish and the seeds like I said you can chew on those uh, stipules and those seed pods or if you have the wherewithal to dry the seeds and save them in a salt shaker to season things throughout the winter. It's a wonderful way to add vitamin C to your diet. Um, there's old 
you know, it goes way back to old, like a modern herbal, which was published in 1931, but she uses a lot of traditional healing from centuries back, said it's also a good cure for freckles when mixed with vinegar and washed on skin. Oh man, wild. Well, okay, you freckle people out there. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You like going, why would you want to prevent freckles? Okay, I understand. Oh, you, some people you, are very self-conscious. Yes, yes, freckles. that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, but and yeah. as I'm reading the other, here... The other thing, you can stand out in the rain during a rainbow, and that will also disperse freckles, I heard. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Well, as I'm, as I'm looking here, it says you can use Dame's Rocket like you'd use spinach, right? And uh, so, yes. Except, you know, we do use spinach in fresh salad. And so would you recommend it? It says here some people use it in salad, but I don't recommend that. The very young leaves a few inches long can be good in salad, but exactly. the window for harvesting them is short. Mm-hmm. Yep. In other words, it's kind of like dandelion greens in a salad, right? It's not like we're we're telling you to make up a whole salad of Dame's Rocket or a whole salad. No, of you no- don't take a whole clump of it like you would ball of lettuce or spinach. Right. But uh, you know, contrary to what you just said, is if you go for the new growth, you know, if you're out there and the plant is very tall, you mm-hmm. take the leaves on the tips of several of gotcha. plants, or go nearby to the rosettes that are growing the first year rosettes and take the inner leaves of those and you know they're perfectly palatable cool yeah and it says here also here the leaves develop as the dame rocket grows and the leaves mature the leaves develop chewy stems and uh because it has kind of a thick midrib in it and a very yes. and a hairy texture that you won't like but after a quick dip in boiling salted water, exactly. the, the texture is mm-hmm. greatly improved and the leaves become sweet and delicious. Go figure. So that's got me intrigued. Yep. And You just blanched a little bit and it brings all that flavor to the surface. Too yeah. cool. Yeah, because I know some people in Lincoln that, you know, Dame's Rocket is kind of, you know, become invasive in their own home landscape, let alone being out in some country road ditch or something, right? So how do I get rid of this stuff? Well, now I can tell them, eat it. <laughs> well, that's the other thing, too, is like I said, you go out there and eat and, you know, gather it at the time where it's seeding. But you can't do that in the road ditches. But if it invades into your own garden, there are ways to control it. The other day I had a friend come over for cheeseburgers who was helping me with some yard work and I put globs of flowers on top and she opened her bread and said, what's that? And I said, don't worry, you'll like it. It's mustardy. And she <laughs> put into it. It was like, mmm. Seriously. <laughs> really good. That's awesome. Like, Garnish your cheeseburgers. Use it on the grill, you know. Too cool. Yeah, and I'm, I'm reading along again, folks. This is on Forager Chef's site, which is, again, a great a great site to, to learn more about yeah. Ames Rocket. And uh, this uh, dude says, in the spring, I often have a nice bowl of them all alone, a, a salad, if you will. Now, think of the song, folks, Poke Salad, Annie, da 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 and uh, yeah, great song, right? And uh, and Pat, if you're listening, you know the 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 greens that they did back in the day in the holler in Kentucky, they all went out and collected poke salad greens, right? And uh, mm-hmm. and, and that's that's a whole another story for another day, right? Have we we haven't talked about uh, poke salad poke, or poke no. greens, have we? Um, do you no. know Do you know enough about them for us to say that is a future episode by chance? Yes, future. Cool. Let's focus, Bob. 
we only have 15 minutes. I hear you. All right. So anyway, uh, so the, the shoots, the shoots can be cooked like a small vegetable. The unopened flower buds or rabs are, are great, quick, cookly and like small broccoli. Have you done that before? Um, I like to eat those raw, but I've, I've steamed them real quick and added them to um, pastas. Cool. Or, you know, just in the course of adding the garnish and other greens, just to add them at the very last minute. Yep. Nice. Those clumps before all the flowers come out. They're potently flavorful. Yeah, so in the spring, there's lots of different greens out there available for us to to take advantage of, and you can make uh, make you can make cooked greens with a variety, right? You can do spinach, you can do chard, yes. watercress, mm-hmm. nettles, and add some Dame's Rocket to it. All right, so now what about the medicinal part of the Dame's Rocket? What what is it um, good for? Well, I've used it um, for bug bites and mosquito bites and stings. It's in that it, those plants that are they sort of draw things out and help soothe the sting or wound so it's been used in that way because it's so got such a wide range of vitamins and minerals it's good for especially in the spring tired blood and circulation um they say it's a good digestive aid and good for upset stomachs good for diarrhea um one thing that's not medicinal but that i love about it is it's also called mother of the evening mm. because when you go out at dusk the smell of it and it's it's also called uh, summer lilac mm. and you don't necessarily smell it in the day but at dusk it emits this beautiful aroma mm. and it draws nighttime moths and pollinators that are you know less common and helps them in their life cycle so you know if you want to really get to know the plant I always encourage people to learn one plant at a time throughout the seasons in the year, but in this case, throughout the time of day as well. Go out there in the dusk or in the garden full of Dame's Rocket and you'll be overwhelmed with the beautiful perfume of it. That's nice. Which is very calming and soothing. Yeah, that's nice to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... And, um, just, uh, you know, I, I thought we'd have time to talk more about flowers in our food in general, but like other flowers, it can be candied by dipping it in egg whites and sugars. And you can make that last for longer than a day or two as mm. a treat. Okay. Yeah, that, that's great. Okay, so uh, candy the flowers. And some people might say, well, I don't want to eat a flower with a bunch of sugar on it. Well, yeah, that's to your discretion. You can just, like you say, have an edible flower, uh, make your, your salad look all pretty, uh, add it to a warm dish uh, as, as, as you're taking the dish off the stove so the flowers aren't wilting per se or cooking, right? Um, pastas. Pastas, okay. And it, it, it has a flavor of sort of like nasturtiums, which has become very popular and is used a lot in restaurants and high-end gourmet chefs use it. But, um, you know, if people can learn to eat nasturtiums, they can also start incorporating this flour as well. Nice, nice. Hey, Barbara, while we were chatting there, a caller called in. Hey, caller, can you hear us? Hello, hello. 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 Who are we speaking with? Yes, I hear a garbage. Oh, Dan again, real quick. Yeah, Dan. Um, because the other, the other, I was out and I was smelling. Actually, I think it was a uh, uh, milkweed. I I was in my sister's driveway. Anyway, I uh, the aromatic. Uh, there is like the smell was so, you know, yes. aromatic. And 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 I've heard of breatharians, and I'm pretty sure I couldn't just live on. But but it's. Gosh, do we actually get anything 
mm, what nutritional or medicinal just by breathing the stuff. Oh, I'm going to let you go with that. Uh-huh. Good Bye. question. Yeah, Barbara. Aromatic medicine is very popular, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they they make uh, infused oils with a lot of plants now. Maybe they should try it with this one. Yeah, no doubt. But I think what Dan's referring to is just by me sniffing the flowers, am I getting any medicine? Yeah, I think on some level there's some spiritual medicine there. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for the call, Dan. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. All right, thanks, Dan. Yeah, I'm sure he's like, you know, stick your nose. And if you haven't stuck your nose in a milkweed flower, that big ball of a flower, man, you're missing out. And if they could bottle perfume that smells like that, I'd buy this stuff. All right, uh, Barbara, yeah, as you know, we're running out of time. All right, so we talked about Dame's Rocket, and now let's highlight the flocks, the flocks family of plants. I just wanted to say that they're often mixed up and one... You know, the Dame's Rocket has five petals and all flocks have four. Okay. So that's one of the things. But phlox is a much milder tasting flower. And, you know, you can eat it and say, hmm, I don't taste anything. But it, again, adds beautiful beauty to your food and to your salads and nutrition and colors that you don't normally get in plants. Yeah, for sure. So is that all you have taken advantage of with the flocks out there, whether it be a garden flocks or the spring beauty, that woodland flocks? Are you just consuming the flowers or are you taking advantage of the foliage as well by chance? I start eating the foliage a lot sooner than the flowers because, of course, it comes up first and you can don't pinch the very top of it before it flowers, but you can pinch sort of side leaves that are young and, you know, allow it to keep sprouting up and turn into a flower bud but yes i add those to my salads early on and again because you know what they look like from the year before you've left a brown stem growing because even i get confused is that really this or is that really that Mm -hmm. and you know it's safe to nibble a leaf of any of those plants to discern and reassert that that it is what you think it is Gotcha. Yeah, so the the, the flocks you're going to see around here, folks, in our neck of the woods is often the, in the spring you'll have, oh, the woodland flocks, and there's another one uh, called creeping flocks. And that creeping flocks, oh, that's that very dense uh, ground cover type flocks, right? They can form big carpets of, of blooms and, oh, very needle-like foliage to it. I imagine that one is not as... Oh, a, a prominent source for edible leaves because leaves aren't yeah, flocks, right? Yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I haven't met a flock with needle-like foliage. Well, I wouldn't call it needle-like. I don't know what to call that foliage. It's just very reduced, right? You know what I'm talking about, okay. the creeping flocks? Um, no, I don't. But there is one that comes very early in the season that flowers very early, and the pollinators are happy to see it. Is that what you're talking about? That, that it's Yes, yes and no, because there's also woodland flocks. When that one is more okay. more of a shade tolerant or a shade yes. lover, yeah, that one will get up to around, eh, what, eight inches tall, something like that, whereas the creeping flocks is a ground hugger. We're talking three to four inches. And Okay, so fl- I thank you for defining. I have woodland flocks in my yard that likes to grow under the black walnut trees of nice. all things. Oh, great. Yeah, black walnut isn't anything, nothing's supposed to grow under a black walnut. That's right. Tell that to a native plant. It says, dude, we've been living with black walnuts for millennia. We got this. Jubilone, bring it on. Bring it on. Yeah, cool, cool. And so, okay, so that is uh, a good plant. And I I remember after we talked about it on the show, gosh, when it was blooming and I, I sampled some, like and like you said, well, it doesn't taste like much. It's more for beautifying your dish and adding nutrition, right? So, 
So when you say mm-hmm. adding nutrition, do you know off the top of your head like what flocks are abundant in uh, for nutrition by chance? I don't know, but instinct always tells me that blue flowers are good for the heart and blood and veins. Mm. And I don't know that that's true. I'd have to verify it with research. So um, don't quote me on it or know it to be truth until you research it yourself. But with any of these plants, I recommend that people, you know, when I first researched Dame's Rocket, all the sites that came up with how to kill it and right. eradicate it. So then you always plug in the name of the plant, medicinal, and then the name of the plant, nutritional, the Mm -hmm. name of the plant, forageable. And then you get to increase your library of knowledge regarding the plant and not just focus on how it's, you know, doesn't work. It's, you know, this plant is a native of Eurasia. It's spread all over Europe and Asia. It's very popular in Italy. Hmm. because of the flavor they've added it to their foods and they grow it in their gardens and grandmas love it but um oh i lost my train of thought but anyway knowing which what a plant is good for you have to really narrow down your search like Mm -hmm. i said if you have an instinct about something then ask that question exactly box good for the veins <laughs> right i agree i think i you know you're right you have to narrow your search down and and i, I challenge i gave a presentation yesterday and we were we were talking about for pollinators right and i said if you see insects pollinators whatever uh clamoring over a flower in bloom like literally like going man they seem like they're in a hurry to get all the pollen and nectar that they can off of that flower something tells me it's popular with that insect I, I said, break out your phone and Google uh, health benefits of uh, goldenrod or health benefits of right. aster or health benefits of mountain mint. You name it. If right. you see insects on it, look it up and then and then ask yourself, are those insects getting the same medicinal benefits as us? And I would say, well, what do That's you think? That's a wonderful conversation. Yes. And what do you think? Yes. I think it is. Yep. Uh, but yep. yeah, what do I know? But I think uh, there, there needs to be research on that. But anyway... I digress. And, I just uh, saw a note that the phlox is the blue, especially the blue phlox is popular in fruit salads, hmm. which makes sense. It's yeah. pretty in a fruit salad. Heck yeah. And and it, can you just see your guests go into a potluck going, dude, what's the flowers in there? And go, uh, phlox? <laughs> what? Can, can I eat those? Yeah. And there's no jello in this fruit salad. <laughs> no jello. Oh, good. I, it's, I'm one of those weird people. I've never really been a fan of jello and never, never have, never will. I don't know why. It is what it is, but I'll, I'll get over it. That's for sure. Well, Barbara, you know what time it is. Look at your watch. Oh, right? Yes. Uh, yes. I did, it, I did it to us again. I, I'll blame me because, I, I, like I say, I, I, I wander. I fall down that rabbit hole, and then all of a sudden we're out of time. Well, I, I hope our listeners enjoy our quick conversation right? as much as we do, Bob. I do, too. And, and you know, folks, one, there's four things that, well, at least three plants, the pansies, Johnny jump-ups, the violets of the world, Barbara and I were hoping to talk about, and hollyhocks. And hollyhocks is all another one. edible flowers. Right? Yep. So I've never eaten yep. a hollyhock before. So, you know, that, that kind of the traditional thing where they make hollyhock ballerinas or something out of the flowers? Yes, little dolls out of poppies and hollyhocks. So I can yep. see doing this. You're getting a bunch of kids together and you're making the hollyhock dolls and then you grab one of them and shove it in your mouth right in front of the kids. Wouldn't that be I a trip? Oh, uh, yeah. What are you doing? You just ate my, you just ate my doll. You just ate my baby girl. Oh, man. It's like, sorry, I'm going to eat another one right in front of you. Oh, anyway. Well, Barbara, oh, the ways to live and learn. Right. Mr. Endless, Bob. All right, no wonderful. doubt. 
Well, I appreciate your time, Barbara, and uh, thank you for coming on the show today. Now you can get back to work, and uh, I know you're involved with the Prairie Herbalist Conference again, so kudos to you on that. Oh, yes, I wanted to give a plug to that Red Road Herbs, July 22nd, I believe. Yep. Yeah, right around the corner, folks, a month from today. And so you you bet go to redroadherbs.com to see. I don't know where they're at with registration, but it's worth looking and seeing uh, because your early bird special went away. But we had Rachel on the program Oh, several weeks back, uh, chatting about that. So, uh, sounds like another great conference once again. And and Barbara, you enjoy this longest day of the year, and uh, I hope to see you out there gardening at nine thirty tonight. All right. <laughs> yes, while it's raining, I hope. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right. Well, us, we're going to see. There's lots of great music this time of year in Lincoln, so we're going to go to three different musical uh, happenings this evening. So that should be fun for oh, on our end. Fun. All right, Barbara. Happy solstice, everyone. All right, happy solstice to you, Barbara. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.